on today's show a lot of people have been requesting this one the greatest clipper of all time well in the summer of 2023 i am joined by another longtime clipper fan and content creator to talk the candidates for the greatest clipper of all time heading into the 2023-24 season gonna be talking about that on today's locked on Clippers. you are locked on clippers your daily los angeles clippers podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day. Yes, sir. You are locking in with the clips. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers the first listen of your day. Your team every day. I'm your host, Darren Vaziri, born and raised in L.A. and going into my 19th season as a Clipper fan this fall. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod and subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, for even more L.A. Clipper and L.A. sports content. And joining me today on Locked On Clippers, where you can find on all your favorite podcast platforms, including YouTube, where I want you to comment who your Clipper goat is. But joining me to talk about it all is the host of the Lob, the Jam, the Pod, one of the many Actually, not one of the many, one of the few Clipper podcasts, and he's been doing it longer than me. Shaft, welcome to the show. First time as with, with me and the host. I, I'm guessing you've been on here before. What's up, Darren? Actually, I don't know if I've been on Locked On. I know Lucas did it for a minute, and I mean, I've I've been with the Locked On, the former Locked On guys, like on their pod. I don't think I was on Locked On, so this might be my first time on on Locked On proper. I don't know, probably. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, take we'll take it. But yeah, joining yeah, me, yeah. Uh, all things Clipper Goat. So to start it off, we're going to talk about what makes a franchise goat because when we talk about greatest of all time and that type of conversation, a lot of times we think of just who the best player is. Like, for example, the Toronto Raptors' best player was Kawhi Leonard, but I don't think that the Toronto people call Kawhi the goat of the Raptors, even though he's got a claim because he won that championship. Like for us, Kawhi Leonard is probably, would you agree, the best basketball player we've had? Yeah. But – is he the Clipper goat yet? I don't think so, but we'll talk about that later. But in your mind, what makes a franchise goat as opposed to just, you know, being the best player? I mean, it's just, it's just sort of years and games given probably if, if we're being a bit more objective, like Kawhi Leonard. I mean, the big problem with Kawhi Leonard, even in his few seasons as a Clipper is that he's just not played enough games. He's played a few pretty big Clipper games, but um you know, arguably you could say Paul George has given more in the postseason than Kawhi Leonard has given. So even though Kawhi has had some huge gains himself uh, and he's, you know, pretty easily the better Clipper if you had to pick a Clipper between the two of them. But I probably would say, you know, um, is he the GOAT or the greatest of all time for the Clippers franchise? It's hard to say. I think he's easily the best player. If I had one game with a healthy player and we needed to base it around a guy, it would be Kawhi. Um but it's it's arguable whether he's the GOAT of the Clippers, I suppose, yeah. How much of picking a franchise's GOAT has to do with the emotional attachment and the fandom of it? Like, for example, LeBron James, I mean, for by all accounts, like, he is a greater player than James Worthy. But if you ask most Laker fans, they'll say they'll have James Worthy ranked as a, as a greater Laker because of the right. gears he's given. He right. only wore purple and gold, that kind of sentimental stuff. How much do you think that plays into all this and it will play into our discussion as we discuss the actual nominees, so to speak. 
I mean, I think I think it's pretty important. I think it's already been really important this summer when talking about a guy like Terrence Mann. Like, uh, there's a lot of sentimentality with Terrence um, that is arguable as far as like his objective value. But I think sentimentality plays a big part. Um, that's when you get to be a fan. I mean, we're fans. I, I'm a big Clipper fan. Uh, I have certain players that I remember more memorably than others, despite the fact that they're not objectively as good as those players. So. I think being a fan for the team and sentimentality plays a big part in Clipper rankings. I mean, you know, Lamar Odom is one of my favorite Clippers. Was he one of the best Clippers ever? You know, maybe not necessarily to a lot of people, but he was one of my first favorite Clippers and he would rank pretty highly uh, for me as, as a fan. But if I'm being objective, you know, it's, it's harder to throw that stuff in the pile, but I think people should be fans and they should have their favorites, you know? So I think that plays a part for sure. Yeah. And, and just for the listeners, I mean, I'm a big Terrence man propaganda pusher, but no, he did not make the nominees. The role player uh, nominees are the greatest right. role players of all time. Yeah. Terrence man, especially with that performance in game six, we'll put his name in the, yeah. in the hat now, but. Before we get into the the people that we really think have a case, let's talk about some of the guys maybe before our time that just are missing out based on the fact that we all, for one, didn't have that same emotional attachment and knowledge of watching them play. But also the good thing about being a Clipper fan and being a Clipper fan within the last 20 years is you are seeing the best of the Clipper mm-hmm. franchise ever. Before, mm-hmm. it's, there's no one that's saying, man, you should have been a Clipper fan back in the day at the sports arena with those good times. Mm-hmm. Nobody was really saying that. We All we hear about is how, you know, there was empty seats and Donald Sterling and all that. So when did your, by the way, so let me ask, when did your uh, Clipper fandom start? It seems like from what I've heard, early 2000s? Yeah, early 2000s. I want to say the the Knuckleheads era, the Lamar Odom era. That's kind of when I came on. I want to say that I really like fell in love with the team during the Elton Brand Cassell like run. So when I like fell in love with the team, I oh, I like the I like the Clippers from when I could pick a clip like a team to root for. They were just I I never really I grew up in a Laker household, but I never had that attachment to the Lakers. Um, and then the the knucklehead era started, and I just really loved that team. So, and then from there, everything kind of added on. I got to go to Clipper games and all that stuff. So, yeah, that era is when I started. So, yeah, I, I pretty much got to see the team. And I know you started around the Elton the playoff run yeah. in 06, right? So, we really got to see the team just be good. And then there was a brief lull in between, and then they got really good again. So, yeah, um, that's pretty much when I started. So, I, I got to see a little bit of the the disappointment with Andre Miller year and all that too. But uh, really like I was in, in probably with that playoff run and I was pretty in before then too. But yeah. <laughs> so who were the guys you heard about people saying were the greatest Clippers before you were a fan? Like when you first got introduced to the fan base, who were they talking oh. about? Obviously Bob McAdoo is a name that's not super popular in LA for being, you know, a player that played here. Of course he played with the Lakers for a bit. But mm-hmm. it's his tenure in Buffalo where he was the only, to this day, regular season MVP that our franchise has ever had. And is it just a generational talent by all accounts mm-hmm. of people that have seen him play? And for those wondering in my historical journey, have, do I know anything about Bob? Where I'm at in my journey, he's in college right now in North Carolina. So unfortunately, <laughs> I haven't given you anything there. But um, he's absolutely in the conversation. My thing with Bob, and you can comment on this, it's hard for me to put the Clipper goat as someone who didn't play in Los Angeles, because at the end of the day, Buffalo right. is across the country. You know what I'm right. saying? So thoughts. Right. 
When you mentioned like this topic to me and mentioned Clipper Goat, I mean, automatically, I always think of uh, of McAdoo as somebody that's overlooked. But when you said Clipper, I was like, oh, well, it's easier not to talk about Bob McAdoo. He was when the Clippers made that playoff run in 06, he was constantly referenced because of that team. It was all it was so often in highlights or like flashback highlights and stuff. So and whenever you look up season like records or, or some, you know, just Clipper things that are tied to the Braves, he always kind of comes up. I just I don't know that much about Bob McAdoo. I've watched some highlights. I, I you know, I try to learn a little bit about the Braves because of their uh, early history with tied with the Clippers. But yeah, I mean, I, I tend not to think about the Braves that often when I think about the Clippers. Bob McAdoo was great, though. I mean, he was great for a while. Uh to like 23 like 25 and 12 and 25 13 like obviously he was really good i just can't i can't pretend to like be like oh yeah well, i could do it he uh, obviously did some early stuff for the braves but i i tend to just you know put my laurels and the clippers even like knowing some stuff about the clippers and even in san diego during the walton era and all that but i i, I can't pretend like i know that much about yeah he, he deserves mention though I would right say. before we move on to lob city um the name I heard most growing up about before my time Clippers was Danny Manning. I don't know about yeah. you, but yeah. that's what they all talked about. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for Danny Manning, even though I would say he's pro- maybe in the top 10, we didn't have two consecutive years in the mm-hmm. playoffs. So it's really hard for me to make a case for Danny Manning over CP Blake or even PG mm-hmm. and Kawhi. But the one I want to end on before we move on to Lob City is a guy that we both saw and a, a guy that was such a big part of my Clipper fandom, and that's Elton Brand. He's mm-hmm. very disliked because of the way he left. And so it's really hard for me to even think number retirement or think goat clipper when people still kind of give me a, sometimes I'll get the occasional, I wear my Elton brand jersey at the games a lot. Some people will tell me, Oh, come on, man. Benedict brand. Then some will be like, Oh, that's vintage Elton brand. You're a true fan. Yeah. But I mean, you can make an argument that single season, you put postseason and playoff and uh, regular season combined. That may have been the best season we ever saw. I mean, mm-hmm. he was incredible. He was amazing. I love Elton Brand. I I was upset. I I love Baron Davis too. When Baron Davis first came to the Clippers, I mean, I'm an LA kid. Like right. my coach in middle school, Coach Baron Davis. Like we, like we heard all of his stories. I remember I would like talk to my coach whenever Baron played well. This is back when he was in Charlotte. He was amazing. So when all that stuff happened, I was so excited. Um, I, I I really wanted them to come together, and then that happened, and I was I was mad. But I think when you grow up as a Clipper fan, you realize how just awful Donald Sterling was. Right. It's hard for me to really hold anything, especially Brand, a Philly guy. You know, he's still with the Sixers now. Like. I, I, I tend not to, as I've gotten older, I, I tend to kind of forgive Elton for not staying with the Clippers. I think that team really had a, a ceiling that was not that great, honestly, when we think about it, especially if you think about post Achilles brand. Right. Like, I was going to mention I, that. I just. Why were, were we so bitter about a guy that's the role player? It wasn't like if he was 2006 brand and then left, right. I understand that you would, right. why you'd be angry, but. That's not what he was anymore, sadly. Yeah. So honestly, thank goodness he left because we would have been just mired in mediocrity and and wouldn't have landed Blake. So uh, I'm kind of like okay with Brian leaving historically. It might have sped up the process of the team just being crappy so they could get some good picks. Uh, I love Elton Brown. He was 25 and 10 that year you were talking about. I think he was seventh in MVP voting. He should have been higher probably. The Clippers were legitimately really good. Um, 
Gosh, I, I I was excited for a possible Spurs matchup that year. If they could have, you know, I think if had they beaten the had they beaten the Suns, they would have had a chance against the Spurs. And I, I think oh, they the match- map, remember? Oh, it was the, the maps. Oh, I would have. Yeah. T- I I thought the Clippers were really good. Like I think yeah, I really think that people underestimate the the title aspirations for that team. It, they kind of came out of nowhere, threw it together. They were insanely talented. They really should have been the Suns. I, I don't yeah. want to start get started. Um, but that was a great team um, and a, kind of a forgotten great team. Sean Livingston back in the day. I just I, I just love that team. And Brand was a linchpin. Um, you know, I, I kind of Elton Brand wasn't really a closer type. You know, Sam Cassell was a closer on that team. Right. So that can be held against him a little bit. That you know he was a guy that would get you regular season wins, but could you really just dump it, get out of the way for Elton at the end of games? I, probably not. Um, but I loved Elton Brand. He was a real workhorse. You know, undersized, a real classic. You know, two uh, thousands type of power forward, mid range game, great defensively, real sturdy, low center of gravity type. Um, big, big fan of Elton Brad, and I think he he deserves his rankings as far as uh, Clipper lore goes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I've I've, I've gone over it. Um, yeah, I think people back, should people should get over it. If you're still holding against Elton Brand, like, do you like Donald Sterling? Like, <laughs> like I just feel like playing for that guy. I, I mean, I read the stories that Elton was just waiting for Sterling to be like, come back, you know, or we care about you, and he just never got anything for that from Sterling. So, wow. And Elton, I mean, it, it's it's hard for me to dislike him when he's literally part of the reason I became a Clipper fan. Like that right. team is gonna the nostalgia with that team for those that were able to witness it is gonna grow it as the years go on. But coming up, a team that already seems to have some nostalgia, even though it wasn't too long ago, Lob City. You could call it like uh, historically maybe the peak so far, but we'll talk about that. Chris Paul, Blake Griffin as Clipper goats coming up. I got to tell you a little something about FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. The NFL season is in full swing. Just finished week two. We're about to finish week two. Make sure you keep placing your bets. And you know what time it almost is. Almost time for October baseball. And my Dodgers yet again just clinched the NL West. So you already know where to go for all your betting needs. That's FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, so now Lob City. This is when everything changed for the Clippers. We know the story. Chris Paul's trade to the Lakers got vetoed. We end up getting him for Eric Gordon, Chris Kamen, and Al Farouk Aminu, and instantly the franchise changes. Of course, a year before that, we had had Blake Griffin's rookie season that we had to wait a year for because he got injured in preseason in 2009. But Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, I mean, your, your podcast name, by the way, you guys got to check out that they just had Ralph Lawler on the show. Great conversation. Please show them some love and check that out. I mean, the voice of the Clippers. Come on now. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Brian Seaman doing a great job as well. But your name of your podcast is The Law of the Jam, the pod, which any Clipper fan knows 
is a play on Ralph Lawler's the law of the jam, you know, from yeah. Bob City that we heard over and over again. Yeah. So Chris Paul and Blake Griffin, I mean, they are absolutely two of the leading candidates for the Clipper GOAT. But let's talk about CP first because he's the one that is so polarizing. I mean, there's so many Clipper fans that hate him, so many Clipper fans that still love the guy. Where do you sit on the CP3 stuff? So, Dan, I got, I got to throw it right back to you. Is CP your GOAT? <laughs> I don't think so. But no? I, I'm more – I'm more. oh, because we've talked about him back and forth before in the time. Uh-huh. No. I mean, I just, love- just, I just out of curiosity, too. Um, I'm going to lean towards Blake Griffin at this point, just because okay. it felt like Blake Griffin was never going to leave. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, I just yeah. feel as though, and I also think Blake Griffin to a degree, like summarizes everything good and bad about the Clippers. Like mm-hmm. he's exciting. He has a lot of potential. He's pretty likable, but he kind of disappointed me when it counted. And then injuries over and over again. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I just, I just, and he just seemed like he, he took everything hard when we lost and, and when he, he was amped up when we won. Like, yeah. I just love the way he wore his heart on his sleeve. But Chris Paul was like that to a degree as well. He's super emotional. Mm-hmm. But um, I would have to go with Blake. But CP3 is right up there for me. Like, just yeah. because when he was on the team, I saw how much he cared. Like, he he seemed to – and he was pretty good at interacting with the fans too, in my opinion. You know, he did a lot of charity work and all that. And it just seemed like he embraced being – coming from a small market team to the Clippers and getting that spotlight. And had he come to the Lakers, he still would have been helping Kobe Bryant out here. He could be the guy that he wanted to be. So mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah, i got to toss it to you though. CP and Blake, let's start with Chris. Yeah. You know what? Speaking of Ralph, you know, his book is great. And I, I remember one of the, one of the bookends of that book uh, at the very end was Chris and Chris like wrote a page, uh, a page or so on Ralph and, uh, and just how great Ralph is. And I remember one of my favorite things about Chris was when he first became a Clipper, and you'll remember this, he just asked Ralph, like, when when was the last time he won here? When was the last time he won here? And every game, I remember a big one was that Utah game, that first game in Utah, where I think there was a missed free throw and everyone got so hyped and everything. And, uh, and Ralph knew it was because Chris knew that they hadn't won in Utah for like a decade or something, right? And Chris made it a point to like make the, you know, Chris made the regular season matter, even the oh, regular yeah. season. The Clippers won 55 games like almost every year. And I wish we could win 55 games now. If you told me right now, hey, the Clippers are going to win 55 games this year, I'd be like, write it down. I mean, great. That sounds like a top three seed or something. And we just don't know. But Chris Paul, one, he raised that regular season floor. He made it a point. He was a, It was a point of pride for him to try to get to that 82-game mark. Um, that was kind of a, a little bit of a different era. Um he, just an easy 20 and 10 on great efficiency, like 47% from the field, you know, 35 to 40% from three, 90% from the line, just assist to turnover ratio. We talked about it so much with Westbrook, you know, and Paul George, pristine stuff, just the efficiency from Chris Paul on a possession by possession basis. You appreciate this as a point guard, just like, you could just depend on that guy to get you a good shot, whether it was a good assist or a midi, which he was just money from. It was something that you kind of take for granted now. You know, he did he, you know, pound the ball, you know, into the floor, sometimes end games and just make you feel like he was just trying to use up the clock. Yes. Especially against like in Oklahoma city, that one game we all remember pretty rough. I felt like with, with leads, sometimes I would be terrified with Chris Paul, which was so ironic because I was so comfortable with them. But then with leads, it just felt like he was playing, you know, try not to lose versus trying to win so many times. But Chris Paul, 
just one of the top three players in Clipper history. I mean, when you talk about like him as an actual player, and I think it's very debatable and arguable that as a whole, Chris Paul might be the Clipper goat. I I think there's a real argument for it. So, okay. You were pretty uh, nice to him. That was one of the more compelling cases for Chris Paul from a Clipper fan these days, because especially with the sun series, I mean, it's that was tough, but I, I didn't really have much bitterness towards him. Patrick Beverly, that moment was hilarious when he pushed him in the yeah, back and whatnot. Yeah. But like Patrick Beverly, when he left the Clippers, he was like rubbing it in our faces when, we, when he beat us. Like, and it yeah. seems like nobody has any bitterness mm-hmm. towards him, which is so funny. And CP3 never went that far. And I think personally, part of it is because we loved Chris Paul so much. Like, we really embraced him. And going back to that Utah game you mentioned, I remember that game. I remember that first season, how surreal it was to go into places like that and actually feel like we could win and actually win. Like mm-hmm. on a nationally televised game at Utah or mm-hmm. at Denver, we could mm-hmm. go in there and win now. And that was because of Chris Paul. Even when we had Blake that first year, we couldn't win, get wins like that. No, CP3, no. he added that level of consistency, that level of seriousness that when every team in the league came to play the Clippers, they knew it was, it was either going to be a battle or you're going to get blown out if you're messing around. And, and there were some games – that we were literally putting on a, a dunk show, like sometimes. <laughs> there yeah. were some crazy games. So speaking of the dunk show. That 12-game winning streak, remember that game in Detroit with, with uh, I think, Blake had oh, like yeah. an alley-oop, and that was maybe win number 10 or 11 in December, was it? We won, and, what, uh, 17 games in a row or 19 games in a row? I forget. I know we lost, I think, in Denver. 17. Right. We did lose in Denver in early January. Right, right, right. I think I think it was – I think it maybe was 17 – and uh, they had an undefeated December. And I remember that game in Detroit. It was just like, it was legitimately the circus. Like, Lob City was just like the circus. Like, watching highlights. I remember uh, the Jamal Crawford, Blake, like, dunk. Like, just yeah, watching Jamal. that on a, just watching it on a loop. And just being like, my God. I, I couldn't believe, like, how good the team was. I was so excited. Yeah. It was so exciting. Yeah. So, going off that, Blake Griffin. I mean, he and Chris Paul. Before we got Kawhi and Paul, it was really them and, to me as the conversation for Clipper goat Blake, we drafted him. That's the difference mm-hmm. with him and Chris Paul. We drafted Blake. Uh, he would have stayed forever if it were up to him, it seemed. And he added the excitement. Where would you put Blake in, in this conversation? So I think there's a debate for Blake too. Everything started with Blake without Blake. You don't get Chris, you don't get doc and maybe you don't get bomber. I mean, like, Without that degree of success, that degree of visibility, you know, I, I know Bomber was chomping at the bit. Uh, and really, it was just a ma- matter, thankfully, that Sterling just tripped and and Silver was there to kind of make his presence felt for the first time. So maybe that would have happened anyways, that, that Bomber buys a team. But that degree of visibility and competence that all started with Blake. Blake made the team, you know, mediocre to potential laden. Um, and then that brought in Chris, that brought in, that brought in, you know, Doc, everything started with Blake, all of this sustained excellence, I'll say, or the sustained, just like good level Clipper basketball all started with Blake Griffin. It all originated with him. He was drafted. Like you mentioned, he was excited. I remember when we lost the rocket series, he was just so he was like, we're going to beat this. He's like, we're going to beat this curse, whatever. I remember that post game. I'll I remember that post game like it was yesterday. Like I was like, this guy loves this team. Like this guy like wants to do it with this team. And then we had to do that whole dog and pony show and then trade him like, <laughs> like immediately. But um, 
Blake, Blake was a clipper, like through and through. He wanted to be a clipper. He had disappointments with the clipper. He had an incredible peak in 2014, 2015. Uh, the 2015 Rockets series, those first two games against the Rockets. I thought at that point he was arguably the best player in the playoffs at, after that second game. And that says something. And I was like, oh, it's time. I really felt like, oh, maybe maybe it's just time for Blake. We don't even need Chris to beat these guys, you know? And, and he looked amazing at triple doubles. And it's just crazy how quickly it fell apart. After that series, like, I really thought that this would might be Blake's time. And that was his peak, that he never got past that. He was third in MVP voting in 2014. Um, and then he had that peak in 2015 against the Rockets. And uh, and really, he just never came close after that. He just got hurt. His skills kept progressing, but his body kept declining. Right. And it was just really tough because I love Blake. Um, he's also just a funny dude, you know, seemed really personable, um, you know, was with the, you know, the funnier die people. And he would do like he would do the roast stuff and on in his spare time, like just like a funny, personable guy felt very LA, you know? Um, so when we lost him, I remember we did the pod after we lost him and me and Rob, Robert Flom, shout out Rich Hon- at Rich Homie Flom. We were depressed. Like I was sad. Like Rob probably was not as sad, but I was legitimately like, I was like, wow. Uh, a bunch of us were really depressed. Like, I don't know what we're going to do. Like we felt really bummed. Like we just lost an era of Clipper basketball and we didn't know how quickly we would get it back. Luckily it didn't really go away, but um, it was a real gut punch. It it hurt more to lose Blake than to lose Chris. Cause I felt like Chris was almost a hired gun, you know, and, and Blake was, was the core. So there's a real argument for Blake Griffin. That emotional sentimentality really rings true with Blake Griffin. Who would you take for your personal choice? No wrong answer there. Chris Paul or Blake, if you have to choose for your Clipper goat. I, I think if I'm being objective, I, I, I would have to lean with Chris just because I think Blake brought respectability, but I think Chris brought success, you know? Yeah. And I think I would lean towards Chris. Um, I probably root more for Blake. You know, I feel like I root for Blake's success when Blake hit a couple of threes with the Nets against the Celtics and they got hunted, hunted every time on, on defense. I was excited. I was, I was playing pool. In too. <laughs> I was playing pool with a buddy and he hit a three and I, and I like jumped up. I was like, hell yeah, Blake. And then it, it meant nothing, but uh, I was like all in, you know, um, but I think objectively, I think Chris meant more for the success of the team. I think Blake brought a degree of, uh, of upside that maybe would not have been accomplished. So I really think it's just a matter of how you look at them. Um, but I probably lean a little bit towards Chris uh, than Blake. Chris was going to be the guy who led us anywhere like Blake. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I think, I think it's really depends on the, on the lens you look at it on, but for me, right. I think Chris. Yeah. I would have see. I would have to agree. The only thing that makes me choose Blake is because of the fan reaction. Yeah. Like I don't think the fan. Like it's hard for me to stand and say that Chris Paul's a go to the Clippers when so many fans just won't even be able to yeah. have an objective conversation about him. Like, yeah. Listen to your point about Donald Sterling. How can you blame players for leaving Donald Sterling? If there are these fans that don't like that Glenn Rivers was not only the coach but our president of basketball operations, and Chris Paul and him clearly didn't see eye to eye. And how could you get mad at him if you're on the side that we should have gone a different direction anyway? Like there's anti, anti yeah. you know what I'm saying? You can't. Yeah. 
I, I for sure understand. Like, I, I think if you if you factor in sentimentality, it's hard to argue against Blake. Yeah. But coming up, the two newest stars. What can they do to become the Clipper Goat, or are they already there? Going to be talking about Kawhi and Paul coming up. I got to tell you a little something about Jay's case. You never know when you can be in need of emergency antibiotics. And right now, I'm going to tell you, I'm on travel. And I may need a Jace case right now. Sadly, I do not have one because I ordered it for home. But the Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get a Jace case is fill out a simple online form. And in some cases, jump on a quick call with one of our board-certified physicians. Don't be caught unprepared. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. Jace handles everything from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery an ongoing consultation and care. You never know when you're on a trip who could get sick, someone in your family, yourself, and that's where the Jace case comes in clutcher than Paul Pierce in his prime, or should I say a healthy Kawhi Leonard. With shorts, with storms, shortages, pandemics, and more, we need to be prepared now more than ever. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. The Jace Gates provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you a peace of mind so that you're not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical plus an additional $20 off by using code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com, promo code LOCKEDON. All right, to close out, the two new faces of, of the Clippers, they have already experienced a decent amount of playoff success in the sense that they've won three series together, which is a lot more than a lot of other Clipper iterations can say. But let's start with Kawhi. I mean, his case to me really comes from the fact that he chose to be a Clipper, which no star had ever done. I mean, of course, Chris Paul to agree to the trade. But in free agency, Kawhi Leonard at the top of the basketball mountain chose to come to our Clippers, the second tier, the JV, whatever. And the Lakers were actually recruiting a super team. That was what was so amazing and made me love him right away was that he chose the road less traveled by, like as corny as that sounds, but he did. And of course, he, we've seen some amazing individual seasons we've probably seen the highest level of basketball that any individual could put on in a Clipper uniform in the stretches that he's played. And then, of course, I mean, Game 7, Chris Paul versus San Antonio is a great candidate against it, but that Game 6 against Dallas, mm. I don't know if we've ever seen a Clipper player at that level literally refusing to lose. That was the first time I'd ever felt like I had a Kobe or LeBron on my team mm. where he was just refusing to go down. Like Everything mm. was going in. He was a man possessed. Tell me about what you think of Kawhi's case to be the Clipper goat. And, you know, obviously the injuries holding him back in that sense, but how close do you think he is to that potentially? So that was the greatest Clipper performance of all time to me, that, that game six, just the amount of pressure that Kawhi had to. And, and I think there was a degree of give me the ball, get out of my way that I don't think we've ever seen from any other Clipper in an individual spot right. um, because nobody could stop him. And he was so good. I, I definitely felt that vibe, like that game, and and it kept going into Utah against Utah. That 
oh, this is the best player in the world. You know, I think this guy legitimately has a stake to be the best player in the world and we can win a championship as long as he's healthy. And um, unfortunately, that last caveat has been a bugaboo for the Clippers repeatedly. I think Kawhi's stake is that he's the best player the team has had. Like, I really think he's just the best player if health is considered, if everybody is healthy. Kawhi Leonard is easily the Clippers' best player of all time. Um, unfortunately, he just hasn't given it enough. You know, all these guys have arguments, these four guys that we're talking about here. Um, and I'll talk about George's argument in a second. But uh, I think uh, Kawhi just needs to be healthy for a playoff run. If Kawhi is healthy for a playoff run and the Clippers win a title, that's it. There's no that's argument. It. Right. Yeah. What yeah. about even if he just makes the finals? If he makes the finals, it's probably also it. You know, yeah, like I, know. I, I was thinking too. This team just doesn't have that much history. The bar's not too high, but yeah, Kawhi. The one thing you know, you say that about the playoff run, and this really pains me as a Clipper fan. We still haven't seen Kawhi Leonard in front of a sold-out Clipper playoff crowd yet. Like, I want to be able to see one of those Kawhi flurries where he can't miss, and there's nothing anyone can do, just hitting contested jumper after contested jumper with a sea of red and blue. Or or now we don't do red anymore, but the sea of blue in the crowd. I mean, (laughs) speaking of another very lit night. And maybe not as stressful, but it was for a bit. Game six. Uh, I know we all see it as the Terrence Mann game, but we don't get across the finish line without Paul George conquering what seemed like the most slander I've seen an NBA player receive since LeBron's 2011 debacle. Like that whole summer after the bubble, that whole season after the bubble, he could not do one thing right. If he played badly, uh, Paul George, playoff P, here we go again. And if he played well, oh, well, is he going to do it in the playoffs? Mm-hmm. And he did it in the playoffs. And to me, I always said, whoever leads us across the finish line, I'll put as the Clipper GOAT. But now looking back, it's it is kind of hard for me to say it just off that because I do mm-hmm. think Chris and Blake, based on everything we've talked about, have him beat in like the longevity aspect mm-hmm. and the fact that we saw them at a higher level for a little bit longer as a Clipper. But Paul George did do something that no other Clipper has mm-hmm. done, as the star Clipper has done lead us past the second round barrier that felt impenetrable at times. What do you think about Paul George's case to be a Clipper? Because he's another guy kind of like Blake. He's maybe not as emotional on the court, but doing a podcast for us, talking about how much he loves the team. He reps Mm -hmm. the team wherever he goes. Mm -hmm. He feels like he really wants to be here. Yeah, when you talk about the sentimentality, like I think Paul George repping the Clippers, talking about how he was a Clipper fan growing up, um, really reps, I think, the Knuckleheads era, just like wears Clipper merch everywhere he goes. Um, He feels like he wants to be here, whereas Kawhi is just like happy that the situation helps him. I think Paul George is just happy he's a Clipper. Um, And when you talk about the greatest Clipper performances of all time, you know, there's Kawhi's game six against the Mavs, and then there's Paul George's, you know, game five, game six against the Jazz. There's Paul George's game six against the Suns. You know, he has claims up there, too, as far as huge games and huge stakes. And he got us to the Western Conference Finals. So I think for sure he has an argument. You know, uh, could could there be a world where Paul George is finals MVP? Absolutely. You know, like, you know, that would be really cool for him. Like, how how great would that be for him? And I I want Paul George to succeed as a Clipper. I've complained about Paul George a lot. You know, uh, I think it's it's easy as a Clipper fan to complain about Paul George a bit, especially he came in those trade rumors and we were talking about Scoot Henderson and and stuff like that. And people really had to evaluate Paul George and 
and his value to the team, especially as somebody in his 30s and with a new contract that's going to be coming up next summer. Um, but he's still great. He's insanely talented. Um, he's We've seen what he can do when he puts it all together. There's frustration that he sometimes coasts a bit. Um, but he's incredible and he's led the team to, he's led the team to heights that we have not, you know, passed yet. So I think the argument for Paul George is, well, who else took the team to the Western conference finals until, until somebody else does, it's hard to argue with his amount of playoff success in that run. So, and I think that's fair, honestly, like his single stats from that conference finals runs run will be like repeated, like his stats will be you know, repeated when somebody else has those counting stats. His counting stats were ridiculous during that run to the point where they were still like in the top 10 consistently, even after people finished the finals, you know, like he was just that good. So he had an incredible run. I think he just needs a couple more of them to really be thought of in top two, top three here. But his argument is that he took us further than any other single player really has led the team. And, you know, that's his argument. Yeah. Well, if you feel Kawhi and I'm sorry, uh, Blake and Chris are the top two, which I, I tend to agree right now. Mm-hmm. Would you put Paul third or Kawhi third or someone else? I might have to go. Actually, I'm going to hear your, your answer first. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's still Kawhi for me. Yeah, okay. it, it, I think it's still Kawhi because I think that game against the Mavs, I don't think we beat the Mavs without him. Like, I, no, I don't know. No I don't chance. think we get there. Yeah. So, and I don't, I don't think Paul George is a type of player as much as I love him. Paul George did so great against the Suns in game five because I think the lights were kind of off. You know, I don't think anybody really expected us to be, win that game. He right. played loose and he went like, he's hit like his last 10 shots in that game. Uh, but if think of the lights were on, I, I don't trust Paul George in that moment like I do Kawhi Leonard. So I still yeah. think it's Kawhi just because that that game, I don't think we make it to the, I don't think we make it to the second round, you know, without him. Maybe not either year, honestly, but especially that year, I don't think we make it because I think that that's I think the lights were off Paul George, honestly, and he was loose. He thought like nobody expects us to do anything. I might as well kick some ass, you know. So he did, and. Uh, I, I think that that level of uh, – I think that ceiling with Kawhi Leonard is just higher, and I think, feel like we've already felt it. So I think I put Kawhi above him, even now, unfortunately. But, you know, it's no, there's no shame. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, you're kind of splitting hairs. I agree with everything you yeah. said about, about Kawhi. I think the reason why I would give Paul the edge for me personally is just because – this is just a sentimental answer. It's just yeah. I didn't play more live. Like, I was there to see mm-hmm. game six and, like, I saw Paul lead us across the finish line. So from a sentimental perspective, it's like, I'm still, I still go to Clipper games and I see Kawhi play live and I'm like, Kawhi Leonard really plays with the Clippers. Like this is mm-hmm. still a novel. Like it still feels like a new mm-hmm. thing for me. It does. Yeah. Because of the 2022 season, I know he missed 51 games, but because I got to see him play live a good amount. Like I was there when he made that game winner this past season against Houston. I was there mm-hmm. when he hit the game winner. Actually, no, I wasn't there against Dallas. Did he get another game winner in the 2022 season that I'm forgetting? Uh, he did against o- his first year against OKC off a of curl. Okay. He it's hit not a game. 2022. Yeah. I, I'm, uh-huh. I'm confusing it with that. He got an and one against the Cavs this past season. Remember the game we came back? Mm-hmm. Cavs, and it was like two mm-hmm. game winners in the span of like two weeks. The Houston sure. game and then the Cavs one. So like mm-hmm. moments like that that stick out to me about watching Paul live. Um, I hope that Kawhi ends up taking over my answer for that because mm-hmm. 
as you said, like, I think our team only will go as far as Kawhi Leonard can take us. Mm-hmm. So I hope that Kawhi is the answer when we're having this discussion at this time next year. But as of now, my ultimate answer is Blake Griffin. You've gone with Chris Paul. So let everybody, let us know what you guys think in the comment section. I got Blake as my Clipper goat. Shap goes with CP. If you guys want to make an argument for Kawhi and Paul, go ahead in the comments or someone else. I want to give a shout out to honorable mention, uh, DeAndre Jordan, Lou Williams, Jamal Crawford, very beloved members of the Clippers. Um, but just sadly, you know, not not quite at that level for me. But, Chap, this was awesome. I had a lot of fun. Let people know where they can find you and more of your work. Uh, you know, you can listen to us on the Law of the Jam the podcast. We're available wherever you listen to podcasts. At the Law of the Jam pod is my Twitter handle that I go just to talk on the Clippers or uh, post the pods when they come up. Uh, we have, you know, a bunch of fun guests. It's the beginning. It's, you know, it's 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 still the dead <laughs> of the offseason a bit. So we're trying to get some guests and have some fun ones. So we have some cool stuff for you guys to listen to on there. And uh, yeah, for sure. Like, check us out. If you don't listen to us, check us out. There we go. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod. Subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, for even more Clipper content and NBA content. And make sure you hit the notification bell so you know every single time we post a video on your L.A. Clippers. You already know how it is. Go Clippers.